this evening is uh, because, uh, simply put, I'm excited to see that you survived Thanksgiving. You did it. You made it through. You pounded through that 15-pound turkey. You made it through the stuffing. And uh, now you and your wife and your family, you're, you're all trying to figure out, right, how many different ways now can we eat turkey and stuffing? And what are we going to do with the cranberry uh, and all that other good stuff? Well, listen, just keep putting it away because I heard from uh, my very own nutritional expert, Miss Mary Beth West, uh, in the back there, uh, that uh, she told me that uh, calories totally don't count at all on Thanksgiving, that it's really like a liquid fluid thing. That gravy really just it goes through the body really smooth. So, so don't worry. Uh, don't worry about that. Uh, I hope that you are excited uh, for you've had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope you're excited for Christmas. Anybody like Christmas? Anybody? Oh, come on. you got to get excited for some Christmas time, right? Listen, I just want to let you know we have an incredible uh, time planned for Christmas here at D.C. at Discover Church. And uh, I am super excited for uh, one of the things that we're going to be doing this year is that uh, if you have students in the back in D.C. kids uh, area, uh, they're going to be working uh, this Sunday and every Sunday uh, from now on basically through. We've got songs that they're going to be singing starting when our, our Christmas series launches on December 9th. They're going to be coming out each Sunday to sing a song. So you're going to get to see and hear all uh, their beautiful voices and see their smiling faces. And then also I want to uh, let you know if you got your worship guide today on the inside of that, I want to ask if you can block off some time on the night of December 9th. If you have that available, if you don't have anything planned with family, because on December 9th is when Discover Church, we invade Ocean City. We are going to be making a pit stop at the West Home in Frankfurt. We're all going to meet there. We rented a bus and we're going to take a whole busload of people over to Ocean City to the Winterfest of Lights so that you can get uh, some uh, excitement with Christmas time with the kids. They can go in. We can we take the trolley ride. We go through together and uh, we cause a big ruckus over there in Ocean City. And then when we're all done that, we get back on the bus. We come back to the West Home and then we have some great times with some hot chocolate with, uh, with some desserts and all that other good stuff that, uh, that really excites you for the Christmas season. So I hope that you'll make plans for that. And uh, if this is your first time here, thank you so very much for being with us today. Uh, on behalf of my wife, Amy, and myself, Curtis, I want to thank you so much for being with us this Sunday morning. And we're continuing today with uh, the second part to our, our series on the search for happiness. The search for happiness. We kicked this off last week. And last week was so cool because last week we talked about with the search for happiness, you know, we often are searching and constantly trying to aim for happiness, right, to be happy. But it's such an unattainable thing for us. You know, we, we're going to miss the mark so many times. But we're, we've been focusing instead of the search for happiness on some of the things that we really should be searching for. And last week we spent some time talking about thankfulness and gratitude as we got ready in anticipation of Thanksgiving this past week. And I want to tell you, if you took the challenge of gratitude up, I want to, I want to thank you for doing that because it was so incredible with the emails and the text messages and the conversations that I had with people to say, listen, you know, I, I sent, you gave us the card at the end of service and we sent that out, or I sent text messages telling some people that we loved them, we appreciated them, and we had some that were sending letters out to people they work with. It, it was so incredibly awesome to see that and to hear the stories of how the people that received that were so moved by the fact that you took the time to express your gratitude and your thanks for having those people in your lives. 
So that was really, really awesome. But today we're going to be looking at something that we probably all have experienced, okay? Have you ever had a bad day? Yeah, hopefully today's not it, right? But have you ever had that bad day? I was going to say, I've, I've had a couple. I've had just a few, just a handful. Maybe you probably said, listen, I've skipped a bad day. I got like the bad week, right? And then some of you say, no, I got it top because mine was the bad month. Or some of you feel like maybe you even had a year where you're like, we just need to cross this one off. It was rough, you know what I mean? It was a rough time. But today, we're actually going to be talking about how to have a really good bad day, okay? We're going to talk about that. And that doesn't even uh, make sense to you, but I promise it will. And we have a couple photos that we wanted to throw up here today about some people that had some really rough days. So can we go ahead and get, get the first one up there for us? Uh, this one uh, doesn't really come out, but you see how the floor is white? Yeah, that is because the dishwasher has exploded all over the kitchen, okay? And that's in crops saying, my wife is going to kill me when she comes home. He had a bad day. What about our next one? Uh, this one is a nice yellow Camaro that has decided, and I won't say anything about the gender of people driving this car, okay? I'm not going to say anything about that, but they decided it would be really good to drive this nice bright yellow Camaro and to take her off-road and go mudding. And as you can see, uh, that didn't work. It didn't happen so well. They didn't have the four-wheel drive that they felt they did. What's our next one we got up there? Uh, this is, you, you ever thought you wanted to, you see those Teslas that driving around and you thought you wanted to go take them for a test drive? Well, this is what happens. This is why I don't go drive, test drive the Teslas because this will be my luck. Uh, he decided to bring the brand new Tesla and ran it into the sign there. I, 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 does the insurance cover that? Say insurance lady? Yeah, kind of, maybe. She says it depends. All right, so what's our next one? Oh, oh this one's, I'm sorry, the pictures are a little bit rough here today. But what you can't sell, anybody got your Apple? Any Apple people in here? Yeah, I know you, you Apple people, you love it. So he's got the, the Mac here open, and uh, what you can't really see on the front corner here is there's a candle, that's what that little glowing spot is, that he decided to open the computer too close to, and it's burned a hole through the back of his uh, his Mac. Okay, so listen, if you have candles out at home, just be, be warned. You've been warned officially here this morning. And do we have, I think, maybe one more? Two more? Oh, uh, yes, this is the crock pot of spaghetti that you drop all over, and she, and she just says, I've given up for the day. Uh, send the dog in, let the kids look it up off the floor. That's their dinner for tonight. And I think, do we have one more? And this is, listen, this is my epic, this is a nightmare, okay? Like, this was a graveside service, and you can see my man has fallen into the hole uh, where the casket, he's not supposed to go there, the casket's supposed to go there, and he... Uh, and, and you can see everybody, uh, I don't know if this is a planned thing or what, but uh, as, as the ladies up there are like, oh no, you know, so I don't know how bad that is. But you want to talk about a bad day, anytime you fall into the hole on the graveside, that's a bad day, okay, that's a rough time. So those are some pictures for you. Uh, I'm sure that you probably have seen some other ones on uh, social media uh, of some really bad day pics. 
But uh, today, we're actually going to be talking about somebody who had a bad day. In fact, he had several bad days. And we're going to be talking a little bit this morning about the Apostle Paul. If you have your Bibles with you or you have it, uh, your version app on your phone, I want to encourage you to open that to the book of Philippians. We're going to be hanging primarily today in the book of Philippians in chapter 1. And we're going to be talking about Paul because Paul really did have a time where he had some successive bad days. And really for Paul, it wasn't just days, but years. For around four years, he had, he had a really tough time because out of his four years, he spent two years in prison and then was on a boat to get transported from one place to another. He experienced a shipwreck, which if that's not bad enough, he, he survives barely with a handful of other guys to get to an island. And, and then if that's not bad enough, while he's on the island, guess what happens? He has another fear of mine. He gets bit by a snake, okay? If I, I just want to let you know, if you're around me, if I get bit by a snake, I don't mind snakes as long as I don't, you know, touch them, you know what I mean? But but if I get bit by a snake, I'm going to lose it, okay? I don't know. If, you, if you're going to lose it, too, it's all right. We can lose it together, but I, I, don't, I don't do that. I'm not one of those guys going to see me walking around with a crawl on it. I, I can't do that. Uh, I just... So Paul, uh, he has, you know, another one of my fears after the shipwreck, he gets bit by a snake. Then after this happens, we find that Paul gets back on a boat. He sails to another place to be put back in jail, spends two more years there, and that ultimately leads him up to his execution. So he had a really rough time towards the end of his life. And, and not only is all these things happening to him personally, like through prison and through uh, all the different places he has to go and do the shipwreck and everything else. But on top of that, Paul is a leader in the church. And so he's trying to encourage and lead people from the church, but he has other people in the church. Can't believe this. Other people in the church are saying stuff bad about Paul. And they're trying to kind of turn stuff on Paul. And, and you've never experienced that, right? You've never experienced a person that claimed to be a Christian who did something that was contrary to what Christians are supposed to do, have you? Because that never, ever happens, right? So Paul experienced this. He, he experienced this firsthand. And so today in the book of Philippians, we're going to read a little bit about this. And, and just as kind of uh, Paul's intro to this, I, I want you to understand in Philippians, he's experiencing this. He's dealing with all this because this is his letter to the church, at, uh, to the Philippian church. And what we're going to find is in one Philippians 1, 18, he says this. He says that he is, he asks people and he urges them. He says, I rejoice. I rejoice, Paul says, and I continue to rejoice. And I need you to understand that when Paul is writing this, he's rejoicing when he is experiencing an incredibly, incredibly tough time. It's a rough time in his life. Paul didn't really have to worry about the search for happiness because Paul was just trying to feel like maybe he was just trying to survive. But how do then, how do we, how, how can we learn from Paul's bad day or weeks or years? How can we learn from that to realize that when we have our bad days, we can still have bad days, but we can have really good bad days. Okay, We can have a, a bad day that we can still come through and persevere and, and push through. And I think the first thing, if you're taking notes today, the very first thing for us to do is this, is that we have to get a bigger perspective, okay? We have to have the bigger perspective because when Paul, Paul had so much in him that could just look at what his natural, where he was, right? Where, where his, his individual case as he woke up this morning, he could have been upset and depressed about it. He, he was able to keep a, a, a big perspective on what it was. And because of his perspective, 
one of the amazing things is, is that he was able to keep joy out of that. And listen, joy is different than happiness, right? Well, you can experience joy with other emotions, but joy is one of those things that happiness can come for a moment, but joy can stay with you. And the joy that you have comes from Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And when you have that perspective, and basically when we say perspective, I want you to understand this, that when I say we have to have a bigger perspective is this, is we have to know what really matters. We have to know what really matters when, when we come back into the places, when our bad moments, our bad weeks, our days, when that, when that thing comes and smacks us right in the face and we feel that we can't continue, we can't survive, we can't carry on. When we're able to keep the perspective in right and understand what really matters, it makes a big difference. Paul wrote in Philippians 1.12, he says this. He says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, because he's writing this to the church, he says, that everything, everything that has happened to me has happened uh, or that has helped me to spread the good news. Everything, Paul says, everything that has happened to me was because I'm spreading the gospel. I'm spreading the news of Jesus Christ. And, and so he is able to have a perspective to understand that, listen, I might be in prison and I might be locked up, but really that's not where I am because guess what? This is just a temporary thing so that I can still continue to spread the, the gospel so I can continue to do what God has put me on this earth to do. God put me on this earth to do this and I'm able to do this despite the, the, the situation and the circumstances that I find myself, despite my bad day, I can still continue on and press on. He understood, Paul did, that his, uh, that his story is so much bigger than the jail cell that he was living in. His jail cell, you know, in the captive, when he was on the, when he was getting transported by the ship, when he went through the ship, he was able, though it was difficult, he was able to understand that his story was not just that thing, that thing that was happening to him. He was able to understand that there was a bigger story, a bigger perspective around. Now listen, one of the things that you might not understand is that Paul is not a one-case study that you can see in Scripture. You can look throughout Scripture and you'll find lots of other people that experience the same thing. Like if you look in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, we can find the story of Joseph. I love the story of Joseph because it has such huge implications for Joseph's family. And if you don't know the story, I'm going to give you like... The real quick highlight, okay? We're going to go through the cliff notes, right? Everybody, you had your cliff notes when you were in high school. Here's the cliff notes on Joseph. Joseph had a lot of brothers. And the only problem with Joseph having a lot of brothers, if you have a lot of family around you, if you have a lot of brothers and sisters, you understand there could be some bickering, right? But Joseph's problems were a little bit bigger than that because Joseph was his father's favorite, okay? He wasn't, he was one of the youngest ones. He, he was his father's favorite, and because he was his father's favorite, his father treated him special, and, and his brothers hated that. They were not, not excited about that at all, as you can imagine. They despised him, and so they despised him so much that they devised a plan to get rid of him. And, and originally, they were just going to throw him in a pit and leave him there, but they, they, some of them felt bad. They couldn't do it, so they ended up bringing him out of this pit, and he was sold to slavery. So he was transported from his home where he lived, and he was sold to slavery and taken to Egypt. Now, in Egypt, as a slave, he was blessed, and it's hard to imagine, right, that he could be a slave and blessed at the same time. But God moved in his life in such an amazing way that the home that he was in, he became very popular. He ended up being like the head of the house. 
Well, he was falsely accused of rape, and then because of his false accusation of rape, he was put into jail. And now you're sitting here going, now this story just keeps going bad. It goes from bad to worse. So he was a slave, and now he's in jail. But because he was in jail, and because God had given him the ability to uh, to, to be able to tell uh, the, what dreams meant, he could interpret dreams for Pharaoh and for people around him, he ends up becoming put second in command of the, the wealthiest nation at the time on the planet. Okay, He becomes put in charge, second in command, only under Pharaoh, of the second largest, the most, the wealthiest nation in the, on the planet at the time. And you say, well, okay, that's great, but what does this have to do with the bigger story? Well, the bigger story is this, is that Joseph had no idea what was going to happen when he was first thrown into the pit by his brothers or when he was sold into slavery. But what he was able to do is he was continuing to stay faithful to what God had called him to do. And through that, when his time came and he was second commander of all of Egypt, there was a, a, a drought and a famine everywhere around him, everywhere around him, that was even affecting his brothers and his father, all the people that he, that he loved and he cared about. So guess what happens is they have to come to Egypt and they have to get food to survive because if not, Joseph's family would actually die. And it's amazing in Genesis 50, 20, this is what Joseph said. Joseph has an idea what the bigger picture was. He says this, he says, as far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. Speaking to his brothers, he says, he says, he brought me from a high position I have today so that I could save the lives of many people. Without Joseph going through all the horrible times that he had went through, without that, with it, and within, if he could have thrown in the towel along the way, he could have, but he didn't. He was able to hold on to the fact that there's a bigger perspective. He had a bigger perspective to what his life was, and because of that, he saved his entire family, and he saved the nation that uh, he was in charge of as well. We also see this story play out in Jesus, in Jesus' time in the New Testament, because Jesus is trying to tell his disciples what's going to happen. He's trying to prepare and break, right? Break them into the news, right? So that they can kind of prepare themselves to understand. But some of his disciples, they couldn't see the bigger picture. And in fact, uh, when Jesus was going through telling his disciples what was going to happen, Peter, one of his close disciples, said, listen, that ain't going to happen, not while I'm around, because I'm gonna, we're going to throw down, and there's no way anybody's going to get to you, and no one's going to harm you. And Jesus actually calls Peter out at this time in Scripture. He says, get behind me, Satan. Because Jesus had the idea and the understanding that, guess what? My life is not necessarily my own. There is a bigger picture to what's happening here. There's a bigger perspective. If you look back in the book of Philippians, in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, again, we've gone back to Paul, what Paul wrote here. And he says, for everyone here including all the soldiers and the palace guards, knows why I am in chains. He says, I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians here have great, gained great confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Listen, he says, I, I, I know that it's tough to imagine, but as I'm sitting here and I'm in chains and I'm in prison, I'm able to understand that, that there's a purpose to this. And part of that purpose is, is that other people around me have, have been given uh, encouragement and they've been, they've been boosted in their confidence. 
I want to let you know that sometimes in some of the hard roads that you go down, that you're going to say, why in the world is this happening to me? But one of the things I love is I love this. I love the fact that each of us have unique stories, and your story has the ability to impact someone else's life. And listen, the stuff that you go through, that's all part of your story. See, and your story and the things that you go through is going to be different than the things that I go through. You're going to connect with people. You're going to have people around you that you're going to be able to lift up because they're going to see you struggle. They're going to see the bad days come. They're going to see you get kind of smacked in the face when life hits you there. And you're going to be able to stand and say, you know what? I can understand that there's a bigger picture here. There's something more. There's something additional that's happening. And when we're able to stay that, to, to stay strong like that, it allows us uh, to, to, to look around and to give be the encouragement and the uplifting spirit to those around us. You know, when we have bad days, though, it's easy to get stuck in this loop. And, and here's kind of the way the loop plays out for me sometimes, and I've seen played out in others' life, right? Is that we feel like when that bad day comes, you kind of feel like, you know, you get frustrated because you're stuck, right? You ever, you ever get stuck, you, you, you just feel like you're just, you can't go anywhere. And, and But you don't stay that way, right? Because so, so the problem is, is that we get angry, don't we? I, I get mad when I can't do something that I feel like I should be able to do or when something kind of hits me and, and I, it kind of presents itself that way. I get a little bit frustrated and angry and I, I hate being stuck, you know? And then what happens is sometimes that anger can turn to bitterness and then, you know, we want to think to ourselves, well, why am I going through this? I shouldn't be stuck. This shouldn't be happening to me. God, your scripture says this and this and this. And then you want to throw all these things in scripture that comes out about how God, you know, how God has nothing but good for us. And we want to throw this and we get kind of bitter and we get upset about it. But then we move to the next phase, which is we get discouraged. Because sometimes when we get stuck, we get so tired of being stuck. You feel like you've been there for so long. And we get discouraged. Discouragement sets in. And, and listen, here's the really scary part. is Sometimes when that discouragement sets into us, it takes us to the next place. And the next place can be a really scary one. That's depression. Because when depression sets in, we say that, listen, I'm never getting out of this. There's no hope for me. There's no hope for the mess that I'm in. I've... I've screwed up too much bad. I've done too much wrong. There's no way. I've made too many bad decisions along the way. There's no way I can get out. I want you to know today whether you're there right now or whether you felt that in the past. You're probably maybe going to get that somewhere in the future. Again, when life comes and roars its uh, ugly head in your direction, it just, it, it just hits you and knocks you down. That when we get to feel that way, I, I know it's not easy. But for us to remember and for us to realize that God knows exactly where you are. And one of the amazing things about God through His Holy Spirit that He can come do is that He doesn't allow us to stay in that place where we get stuck. You know, where we, where we get depressed. It, 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 he has an amazing redemptive quality to where He can take and He pulls us out. And even when we feel stuck, we, we can understand that through Him we can continue to carry on remembering that there's a bigger perspective there. There's something bigger to the story than just what we see immediately in front of us. Sometimes when that happens, you know, I want you, you, we can remember Paul, and we can remember all the things that Paul went through and, and all the struggles that he went through. So the first thing is to get a bigger perspective, and the second one is this, is to focus, to focus in on the right things. 
to focus him on the right things. See, Paul, it would have been so very easy for him to focus in on all the things that were happening around him, the fact that he was in chains. Listen, I, I, I've never been in chains, right? I've carried chains around, you know, like we, we got, you, know, you get something stuck in you, know, like a car, you have to get the chains out to tow it, you know what I mean, to get it pulled out. And, and you start carrying that stuff around, and you're like, man, you're like, boy, this, this is heavy. I don't know if you've ever watched movies, right, where you see people that are in chains, whether, you know, that's in the boats as they row, or you, you, you see slaves that are linked together as they go. It's hard for us to imagine, but that's that's a very real weight, isn't it? Like, that's a real, like, you're feeling that right now. That's a physical thing that you experience. It's so easy to think sometimes in that when we experience those weights around us, to think about that. But when we focus, when we lose focus on what we're supposed to be, when we don't focus on the right things, then it allows us to get taken off track. See, at Discover Church, we have four main things that we focus on in D.C. Our first one is, our first goal is this, is that we focus on for people to be saved, for people to experience salvation through Jesus Christ. Our next part is this that we focus on, is for people to be able to find freedom. Because when we find freedom, it allows us to move and to do things differently than we once thought we could. The third thing is this, is for restoration, for us to find restoration because restoration has to happen when we feel broken, when we feel like we've been ripped apart. And the fourth thing is this, is fulfillment. We want to see people's lives fulfilled. We want to see your life fulfilled. God has called each one of us to a very specific task. And when he's called us to those tasks, when we, when we don't fulfill it, we feel like there's something missing in our lives. But when we can experience the fulfillment that comes through Jesus Christ, it allows us to understand that there's something else happening. We can focus in on what he's what called us to. That's why I want to encourage you, if you've never taken the opportunity, we have growth track, uh, which is our next step. If you, you've been coming for a while and you want to become part of Discover Church, if you want to experience what it is to become part of D.C., our growth track is at Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. I encourage you, you get to come and hang out with me for an hour on Sunday morning and we kind of go through everything with you. And, and that will help to reveal those steps in your life if you if you feel like you're kind of stuck and you don't really know what the right thing is for you. We see in Paul's story though in Philippians, still chapter 1 starting in verse 15, he says this, he says, some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. So Paul's experiencing a thing where people are saying some really rough stuff about him while he's in prison. He says, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. He says, they preach because they love me for they know the Lord brought me here to defend the good news. He says, those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition. He says, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. But one of the things I love here is for us to realize that not only is Paul experiencing the hardship of the chains that he's literally in and the prison that he's literally in, but he's having people from the outside, people that are supposed to love and encourage him, the ones that are supposed to be lifting him up and, and, and just saying, hey, man, hang in there. We're praying for you. We love you. How can we support you? Those, some of those same people are actually speaking down and they're, they're coming at Paul with negative motives. They're wanting to to kind of to kind of get away from some of the teaching that Paul had laid out, and as Christians as Christians were doing this to Paul as he was experiencing as he was walking through this, you know he says, "Listen, I understand." And he continues on verse eighteen. He says this. He says, 
but whether or not the motives are pure, the fact remains that the message of Christ is being preached. He says, so what do I do? I rejoice. I celebrate. He says, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will all turn out for my deliverance. Paul says, listen, I could focus on all these other things happening around me, but I choose to rejoice in what God is doing in the lives of people around me. The third thing, this was the last thing before we close today is this, is to remember your mission. Remember your mission. Uh, we all have a mission inside of us. We all have something that we are programmed and wired to do. We all have something that is kind of threaded into our lives. And when we remember the mission, we can stay on task. We can remember the bigger picture. We understand. Paul, at the time of his imprisonment, he was kind of getting old. He was tired. And he decides, you know what? I'm really, I'm ready for heaven. And, and, and he said, that, listen, I, I, I've gone through a lot. And I've experienced a lot. But one thing I never did, one thing I've never given up, is I've never forgotten my mission. He says this in verses 20 and 21. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. But he says, but will, I, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. And the, the thing he says next is kind of stark, right? He says, whether it's in life or in death. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He understands, he understood that, that, that for him, there was a mission. There was something that was driving him, that was encouraging him all, all along the way. He never lost sight of that. If you're taking notes today, I want to ask you to write this down. For me to live is, there's a blank there. For me to live is blank. And if for you to live is what? What does that mean? For me to live is for my kids. For me to live is for the possessions that I have or that I'm trying to obtain. For me to live is to chase after pleasure. For me to live is so that I can see how much power I can get or how much popularity I can get with people around me. Or in the case of Paul, we see for me to live is Christ. For me to live through Jesus Christ, and that's what I have to do. Paul says as he gets ready to close out chapter 1, in verse 22, he says this. If I live, that means fruitful service for Christ. I really don't know which is better. He says, I'm torn between two desires. There's two things I have inside of me that I'm calling out toward. He says, sometimes I want to live, but sometimes I want to go and be with Christ. He says, that would be far better for me, but it's better for you that I live. I'm convinced of this so that I will continue with you and that you will grow and experience the joy of your faith. He says, and then when I return with you, you will have even more reason to boast about what Jesus Christ has done for me. One of the things I love about Paul's story is that through everything that he experienced, everything that he went through, he understood that he lived not for the benefit and pleasure of himself, but he lived for the benefit of others. That is an amazing thing. 
for us to realize there's so many people in this place that have experienced that. You've experienced that yourself, and that's why you give. That's why we were able to help serve the families that we were serving for Thanksgiving, because you give, because you sow in, because you recognize that, guess what? For me to live is not just about me. There's more to it than just me. I, I, there, there's, there's so much more. I'm on a mission to see people's lives change. We need to recognize that our primary purpose is this, is to worship God with our lives. And one of the ways that happens that is so when we have that bad day, when we experience the trouble and the pain, that Jesus can be seen through us. People see Jesus when they look at you, not the bad day. The second one is to encourage other believers and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to close out this morning? Paul had such a uh, Paul had such an incredible life. He had such an amazing impact, not just on the people that he came in contact, but he had such an amazing impact on the early church. And he had such an amazing impact, really, on humanity. When you think about it, when you think, when you read through the New Testament. And you write, and you read all the things that Paul, all the all the books that Paul wrote. One of the amazing things I think about Paul is to understand this: is that a lot of his writing, you know where it happened at? It happened while he was in prison. A lot of Paul's writings happened while he was in like the worst place of the worst place. But guess what? Through all of that, through all of that, he was able to encourage churches over the world. He was able to make an impact, and here we are in 2018, still making an impact off the writings of Paul, so that we can that we can see when we have that bad day, the bad week, the bad month, when you struggle, you feel like it's that bad year, and you feel like you get in that place where you get stuck, and you just get depressed and say, I just, I can't do it anymore. That we can realize that through Jesus Christ, he has an amazing redemptive quality where he pulls us up out of our mess and he makes something brand new out of us, out of our mess and all, all, all that we are. I just want to ask, would you close your eyes with me this morning? And listen, if if you come today and, and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you never have taken the time to say, you know, I just don't get this whole Jesus thing. I hope today that you can understand that when we come to Jesus Christ, we're turning over the fact that our lives are not about us. Our lives are about serving people. Our lives are about showing Jesus Christ to other people. And you say, listen, I've been living my own life and it's just not worked out. I feel like I've had more bad days than good. I feel like every time I'm out chasing stuff that, you know, where I'm trying to obtain things and trying to go after stuff, it just doesn't work out for me. It just... I'm just stuck. I feel like I'm just spinning in circles, like doing the same thing day in and day out. I want to let you know that I know who can get you unstuck. I know who can make a change in your life and take and allow you to experience joy and peace so that you don't have to live with just happiness that comes and goes, but you can experience something that is lasting. That's a new life through Jesus Christ. If you've never done that before, if you would just, if today you want to come back to him, maybe, maybe you feel like you've let him down, you feel like you, 
you confessed Jesus Christ, but then you kind of walked away and you say, I need to come back today. Or maybe this is your very first time. I just want to ask, just slip that hand up today. Nobody's looking around today. Nobody's like looking at you, trying to figure out. And as you do that, this is a sign. This is just a sign, not to me, because I'm not even looking either. This is a sign to God. This is a sign that says, God, I need you today. And we can all pray. Would you pray with me, church, today? You can pray in, with, your own, with your own words and your, your own voice, but we're going to pray out to God and say, God, Lord, we just want to thank you so very much for all the good things you've given in our lives. Father God, we just want to ask today that you would come search the hearts of your people. And Father God, if there's people that want to come back to you today, they, maybe they have their hands lifted and they, they, they weren't sure what to do, they don't have it, but Father God, they know they want to come back to you, Father God. Lord, allow us to come to you today as one body, as one church, Father God, where we can confess, Father God. Lord, that we've all sinned. We've all been there. We've all made mistakes, Father God. We've all had our shortcomings. We've all had those bad days and we didn't handle them the best. But, Father God, Lord, we ask, Father God, for forgiveness for those bad things, Father. Today, if that's you, if you have that in your hand, just make sure that you ask that. You, you want to ask for forgiveness today for the past mistakes, for the sins, for all the, all the times we screwed up and we lived selfishly. We've done all the things chasing after our own desires. And Father God, Lord, the next part here is this, Lord God, is to allow us, Lord, as your people, to be called by you, Father, not to live in those ways anymore, Father God, but so that we can understand that our life has bigger purpose and meaning. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for the fact that you can help turn us, Father God, from our addictions, from the things that we deal with from the past, Father God, to all the things that we struggle with, Father God. You can help turn us from that. And Father God, we pray right now that we as your people can come and we can chase after you, that we can call upon you. And Lord, we thank you so very much that you call us your children, your sons and your daughters. Father, we just want to thank you. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Will we continue to worship this morning?